Hey everyone, welcome to This Is Not A Podcast. My name is Bobby Hundreds, and I swore I would never make a podcast. As the co-founder of The Hundreds, a men's streetwear brand that's been selling worldwide for over 16 years, I figured, is there anything left for me to say? But here we are. After publishing my first memoir and reflecting on my own experiences of building a business, my personal and financial struggles and successes, I realized there was more to talk about, maybe not just from my perspective. The best part is, I still get to say, I don't have a podcast. This is just a curious audio thing where you get to meet cool, interesting people. You're listening to This Is Not A Podcast. In the 31st chapter, End of Days, I write about our first flagship store being tucked away on the side street of Rosewood Avenue in Los Angeles. In the mid-2000s, we liked being in the cut and discoverable because that's how our brand felt in its infancy. But recently, we made the decision to go from playing the smaller black box theater to performing on the main stage. The hundreds Los Angeles moved to the busy Fairfax intersection where it stands strong today. We lost that hole-in-the-wall intimacy of being a niche brand in a hidden alley, but the store thrived and the transition suited us because our customer and community grew along with us. Don McLennan is a producer and rapper for the wildly popular group Brockhampton. He and his bandmates found each other through internet forums and an insatiable desire to make great art and music. They went from obscure rap collective to playing the Coachella stage, filming a Viceland show, and a number one album on Billboard. Yet Dom has always felt like the antithesis of what a celebrity rap personality should be. Instead of being driven by ego, money, and clout, Dom McLennan radiates empathy, awareness, and craft. The world hasn't changed any more than we've changed it. I cherish any moment I can share with Dom. I tell him this all the time, but he gives me hope for the future. That there are cultural beacons out there who are leading young people by positive and compassionate example. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's go, like, actually do something productive with our time and help people. As the band drops its latest and brightest album, Ginger, I realize how much Dom and Brockhampton's pursuit of selfless relationships have equipped them for this long and vigorous journey. So I'm going to assume that most people listening to this are not aware of Dom, of Brockhampton. They might not even know who I am or my story either. You mm-hmm. know, they could have just stumbled upon this podcast. Yeah, for sure. So like any great interview, we're going to begin at the beginning. Okay. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Hartford, Connecticut, and then moved to East Hartford, Connecticut when I was pretty young. So like the Hartford County area is like all my stopping grounds. What's life like out there? Um, it's pretty, in my opinion, it's pretty interesting, but in the grand scheme of like the United States, it might not be that interesting. It might be a lot of places that are like it. You know what, what I'm saying? What makes it interesting to you? Um, there's just, well, first and foremost, like the landscape of New England, um, nature's around the corner everywhere, you know? So mm-hmm. if you're like, literally, if I'm like not, feeling people that day i can yeah. just walk into the woods for like an hour around the corner you could just literally just turn around and walk in that direction and you'll be in the woods yeah like i mean if we like look up google maps like on my house right now i can show you like the corner that i'd go around to walk into the woods that's like, so bizarre yeah it's like a bike trail right there and that goes to a park 
And then that park also leads to like where my barbershop used to be at, all this stuff. So it's like a really, it's a very small, tight knit community, but yeah. also there's a lot of nature in between the little pockets of community that there are. It, I've, I've, I've felt similar feelings in the Pacific Northwest, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Where the sense is like, there's I mean, nothing to do besides like be in your room and yeah. like think about shit. And when you or be in the forest. about shit, it's just making shit, you know? So it's like yeah. you end up making music or you end up doing drugs. That's what it seemed like. It was like the common denominator. Or you're doing both. Yeah. Or both. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like it was just like, it was really, really interesting the way that like everything was laid out there because it was like, you know, you go to one person's house and then you drive to the next person's house. It wasn't like much walking from like place to place or anything like that. Was your house one of those meeting grounds for your community? A lot of my friends' houses were. Coming. What would you do at your friends' houses when you'd show up there? Um, were you just making music immediately or were that you was like, well, watching see, movies? I was making music by myself Okay. At, for a while before I was in Brockhampton and stuff like that. Um, I met BH, all those guys in like 2011, 2012. Um, and at that and point, how old were you? I was like 18, 19. I so you're already college. making, you're well into making music at that point. I was Your entire music. high school experience, yeah. you're making music. I started making music when I was in seventh grade, like on computers and stuff like that, because my band teacher showed me how to use FL Studio. And then from there, my band experience combined with like my love for like hip hop music and stuff yeah. like that really like got me into making beats. And I started to get into like the internet and like using forums and stuff like that back in the day, like back in like the boxed in days and shit like that. Yeah. So this is like 2006 or seven. Like you've known these kids since. You all met each other, like, in your community, but also on message boards, right? On the forums. So, specific, like, so they all met on KTT. Um, What's KTT? Kanye Tether. Yeah. That's, like, the internet forum that, like, they all used to frequent stuff like that. I used to frequent a different forum, actually, before KTT. It doesn't even exist anymore. What's it called? I don't even remember the name, honestly. Oh, but it was, like, a Kanye-related forum? or No, it was just, like, for producers and for, like, I think I might have, like, been using, like, SoundClick or some shit like that. Like, one of those (laughs) types of things. Like, seriously, seriously, like, low, low bar. was not as... Not as thorough as KCT is set up or anything like that. But um, either way, like they had something going on there. I had my own thing going on with my music and stuff like that. And then when I met them, Romil hit me up on Facebook, actually. And he hit me up on Facebook in like 2000, like late 2010, I think. Wow. And he was like, yo, I see you're like using like machine to produce. Because I started posting videos on the internet of me like making beats with machine and stuff like that. I just yeah. got one. And then he was like, yo, do you like, can you help me use that with FL Studio? And I was like, dog, you need to use it with Ableton. And he was like, what are you talking about? And like, I was like, yo, just come through one day and we can like lab up and stuff like that. So then he, he lived in the, in he lived area. in South Windsor. Okay, I lived yes. in East Hartford. You know how I was saying yeah. about the whole, like, you know. So from that, me and Romil link up. The first song that we made was this song called Recess. And um, that was like actually wow. like this like song that got like, putting us like pigeons and planes competition and stuff like that. And actually yeah, did really well. It was our does, first song, you know? So I mean, wait, 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 hold on. He comes over. You don't, you don't know each other. You don't have anyone in common. Let's just work on some music. Cause I had finally gotten like a desk and shit like that and a computer <laughs> and like a basement where I can do that shit was for the myself. Vocal. I finally, nah, for I me, finally gotten a desk. like for me, I was yeah. like still a young kid making music and I was making music at a lot of my friends houses at that time you know what I'm saying this is the first time where I like had like a space in my own where I could really like go in with things on my own computer and shit like that rather than in my room so I was like yo 
like you can like come to my parents' basement and we can like work on music and stuff like that there. So we like yeah. hung out, made music, and then did you feel like something magical was happening at that point? Like, did it feel different? Or what you were just kids just doing what, what felt different was this yeah. is my first time showing someone else how to do the stuff I knew how to do, uh, if that makes sense. And then letting them run with it because, mm-hmm. like, I can't take any credit for what Romil did mm-hmm. or has done as a producer. I can only say that I showed him a set of tools, not even the first set of tools that he had, but just a set of tools. Yeah. And then with that set of tools, he ran with it. You know what I mean? And like, I just tried to be as encouraging as I could in the process. Wow. What really like conspired from there was just like me and Romeo just started making music like pretty much every day for the next like two or three years. Yeah. And then like after we went from making music like crazy, like, that was the first time that him and Kevin got together like in the same space to make music wow. instead of on the internet. Yeah. And then they made like drugs, they made MTV yeah. 1987, they made all these really, really, really dope crazy songs like back in the day. So just seeing where it's like, I'm just, like I said, growth and seeing how other people around you grow, like that moment with Romil has inspired me to like not hoard whatever I learn, whatever mm. I know. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you wanted to learn how to make beats today, I would, like, download Ableton on your computer right now and we'd, like, figure out how to do it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, I will show anyone anything. What you do with it from there is, like, I'm, I can't tell you, like, yeah. go be a producer now. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's up to you. But, like, I can show you how I do it, you know? And then what happened next with the group? Um. So, after we made that song, I remember the first time that I met the other, some of the other people in the group, I met Michael and John mm-hmm. and um, it was at a Buffalo Wild Wings because <laughs> the song that me and Romil did and a song that he did with Michael were in the same contest to open up for Drake on the Club Paradise tour. Oh, wow. And we were both like in the top like 20 or whatever like that. And we were both from Connecticut. So it's like, this is like a national contest. We were like, Crazy. yo, this is, it was actually three artists from Connecticut in that list. And a third artist from Connecticut ended up winning it. His name's Jordan. He actually lives out here. His name's Jed on the track. He's super, super dope artist. Wow. But like, yeah, he ended up going on that tour. He like invited me out and stuff like that to like come check it out. It was really, really cool. I got to see him play and stuff. It was really fun. But um, through so all that, yeah, like I, it was like, a, it was a really cool moment where it was like, holy shit, like we actually like have something going on here. Yeah. You know, so... Me, Mike, and John, and Romil all meet at a Buffalo Wild Wings in Manchester, have food, and then I go hang out at John's house. Afterwards, John had a studio in his basement. From there, me, John, and Mike start making music like every single day. Romil comes over when he's out of school, whenever he has time, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then from there, John moved out of that apartment moved to his own or John moved out of that house it was his mom's house he moved to his own apartment when he moved to his own apartment that's where I started making music like every fucking day like sleeping there and shit like that what's going on in your mind at this moment in your life right you're sitting down to Buffalo Wild Wings Mm -hmm. are you looking at the future you're saying to yourself this is going to be a thing what are you saying to your mom or your dad at that point in time if they have questions and and then also to your surrounding friends or people who yeah. are even doubting you. Like, what is, I just want to know what's happening inside someone's brain when all of this is starting to come together. Yeah. Because in hindsight, it sounds really neat and tidy and everything was logical 
in terms of progression. So far but from that. Yeah, because like before, like before every, yeah. any of this, yeah. you know, before I was even rapping, before I even showed Romil how to make beats, I was producing for other people and I was in a bunch of different other groups, you know? So from those groups and my experiences with those, I kind of realized what I want, what I didn't want, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, what did you want? People who wouldn't be like, just anything that didn't have to do with ego at yeah. that point, you know what I'm saying? Because like I had been in situations where I'm like making beats on a computer and two dudes are like in a fist fight in the studio behind me, and I'm just like, I'm just trying to make this beat, bro. Like, and I'm like, and I'm like 16, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, it's just like it was, and it was like that's just how rap was at that that's time, you know what by I'm the saying? Way. I'm just trying to make this beat, to make this beat. yeah. <laughs> but like literally like it was it was just a crazy time where it was like I was in really like hyper machismo like ultra yeah. like masculine rap shit rapper shit and I just had I didn't want anything to do with it you know what I'm saying and um I feel like you're still like that nah I'm so far rem- I'm so far removed you're like from the, the anti-rap rapper but I'm so far removed from the competitive aspect of rap because I'm not competing with anybody but it's so much of rap is built on this idea of <coughs> competition and machismo and bravado. Mm-hmm. Guys which is why just it's like, like swinging their dicks around. Which is why it's like, like fun to like not have anything to do with that shit. You know what I mean? Because it's like I would rather like I'll rather connect with like-minded individuals and do dope shit. Yeah. Instead of like stand on the other side of the room of them and swing our dicks around at each other. Yeah. That doesn't sound fun at all. How do you feel about everything right now? I am like if it was like if it was a mixed drink. Yeah. Like the most like potent shot of hope that you can, but then like chase the rest of the cup of like despair. Yeah. And like fear. Yeah. Like like yeah. 250 proof hope, but then like fill it with like you know what I mean? Like whatever right. whatever the worst concoction you could think of like to fill the rest of the cup with, you know? It's interesting. So how are you navigating your days? I'm trying to take care of myself. I'm trying really hard to take care of myself. How are you That's, doing that? Um, by, you know, just focusing on what I can control. Yeah. And like not, not even necessarily like what I can control, but what I can, what I can do. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I can be existential about the world, or mm-hmm. I can like help my girlfriend move into yeah. my house, like or into right. our, our house now, and like, you know, I can make a little plus sign today, or I can like do nothing, or I can make a little minus sign. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I'm just trying my best to make like little plus signs if day for myself, for like the people that I like really fuck with and care about. You know, just you know, try my best to do that. That one uh, 250 proof shot of hope. Mm-hmm. What's inside that little vial of hope? What's, what's for you the light at the end of the t- tunnel or what's the thing that is encouraging you, inspiring you, making you think that perhaps there is a better future tomorrow? It's the same thing on both sides. People. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like tigers are like finding the cure for cancer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, why can I be upset at anything else besides us. Why can't I have help in anything else besides us? Yeah. You know, what we've we've done with free thought inspires me all the time. But then also it terrifies me. And it like, 
like in, in the same sense of hope that I get listening to music in the car that I know someone made like in their bedroom. Yeah. I get the exact same amount, like that is that amount of inspiration that I get to like go home and try something on my own. I get the same amount of fear when a cop car drives by in the opposite direction. And like, do you let it paralyze you? No. Right. You can't. If, if you let it paralyze you, then like, what, what can you do? Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I asked that question because I feel like you're someone who deeply feels what's, what is happening around you at all times, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I think of you and I look to you to really feel what's happening in the world, you know, and I want, and I just want to know like how, how that is, you know, like I'm almost desensitized or numb sometimes when Mm -hmm. I consider the weight of everything, right? There's so much information. I have sometimes like there's some days where I have an incredible sense of apathy. Yeah. I just don't want to do anything but play Apex Legends. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But But that's okay. Yeah. It's totally fine. We need you to do that. You can't like, you, you can't be all of anything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I have a lot of friends that like I've had conversations with about things like this, you know, um, Fortunately and unfortunately, a lot of like I've had conversations with various women in my life who've like constantly told me that they feel like they have to be a beacon of happiness consistently. Huh. When they've all, when, all when, whenever they're seen, whenever they're front facing to the world, they always have to be happy or smiling. They can't have a bad day, and a bad day for them is totally different than a bad day for a guy because yeah. front facing is totally different for yeah. them than it is for us. That is a societal pressure. Absolutely, yeah. It's like a patriarchal pressure. A patriarchal pressure. That we've instilled upon women, for sure, to mm-hmm. smile. Like, I don't know how many times I've heard guys say, tell a woman to smile. And that's like, why I why try... Why you just say hi back? And that's why I, I try hi. my best to tell people now that I care about, mm-hmm. it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, do that for a minute. Like, whatever you need to, like, take your time in, take your time in. Yeah. And don't let anyone take that away from you, because that's your time. That's yeah. your identity. You know what I'm saying? Like... I don't know. That's what I've been like trying my best to like instill upon all the people that I like know and care about and stuff, you know. Dom, more than most people I know, you seem to be um, incredibly conscious of other people, more emotionally aware, um, emotionally intelligent. I'm sure you've, you know, me and Mike Shinoda, we talk about that a lot regarding you. Why do you think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Shinoda, Mike and I. We talk about you at length because we look at you as like, this is, you're part of my, my shot glass of hope, right? Like just knowing that people like you are out in the world and that you're a leader and that you have an audience of young impressionable people who are looking for inspiration or leadership in their communities. And then they look to someone like Dom, like it really gives us a lot of hope because I know I have a lot of eyeballs on me, but it's a little different. I'm a little older now, right? Like my, my, the weight of my brand sits differently than, than the impact that you have at mm-hmm. your fingertips right now. And so, and Mike feels the same way. Mike's a huge international rock star, but he also knows that words coming from you are going to hold different energy than they do coming from us. So we're always looking and scouring the horizon for like, who's going to be, that person who can take us into this next generation, this next realm, this next world Mm -hmm. and do it from a way that is empathetic, that is positive, that is emotionally aware, that is considerate of other people. And we're, we always come back to Dom, right? Like try my best, you know? And like, what what else can we do but try, you know, like I, I've been 
I've been noticing myself say that a lot more lately when things are happening. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like if people around me are uncomfortable or they don't know like if they should take a step somewhere or take a step in that direction, it's like, yo, what does it hurt to try? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we mm. can try all that stuff if we start it right now. But if we spend the next two hours talking about what we're going to do, yeah. that's just two less hours that we have trying. Right. You know? Yeah. So I just like, I don't know. I've just been going, trying. yeah, I've just been yeah. going really hard with just trying my best. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And then in the moments where like, I don't have the energy to, like I'm really lucky yeah. and grateful to have understanding people around me that are okay with that. You know, mm-hmm. like, I think that's what like has definitely like, been one of the like foundational roots and like the relationship that I have like right now with Lana is like she's just is very 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 understanding of when my battery is just completely depleted yeah <laughs> and she'll give me that time to like let that recharge and yeah. be there to help me recharge it you know what I'm saying and like in that same light I can do the same thing but I feel like that may be an indicator and also a reason for your success and happiness. And, um, it's something that I've, I've been talking and realizing more as that I get older, that the people that I feel like are the most happy and successful in life and in the universe are the ones who've cultivated great relationships. And that doesn't mean that their friendships and their partners or their marriages are perfect by any means, but they try, they attempt to, work on these relationships mm-hmm. to be a compassionate person in that relationship to be a good partner. Right. When people ask me, how do I find a partner? They're like, how do I find a partner like Ben? Or they're even, you know, even if they're like, how do I find a wife? Like you're married. Like, how do I find someone to date? Mm-hmm. And it always comes down to, you have to be a good partner first. Right. Like Ben's an amazing yes. person. My wife is the perfect, most perfect wife, like yep. brilliant. But all of those would have failed if I wasn't trying to be a good partner first, right? And if you aren't aware of how great the people that you have around you are. You exactly. Know? Like, you have to, like, take exactly. that moment to yeah. like have that humility and be like, this person's fucking awesome. And, like, because that person is fucking awesome, I'm going to do my best, yeah. you know? Yes, exactly. The selflessness and, and considering them before yourself. And so... That maybe that is what it is with you too. Like maybe I was, I was searching for reason. I'm like, what is it with Dom? Like, why is he have, like, you really are surrounded by her. You're surrounded by, I'm assuming great bandmates, right? Like your band, your, the relationships you have. Again, I know all music. Watching them grow as people has been the most satisfying Let's talk about that. Like where are you at right now in your career and your life? Where are you at? Where's where are you at with Brockhampton? How do you feel about Brockhampton? I'm super excited about everything Brockhampton right now. We're so sure of ourselves and what we're doing that we can make really bold decisions, like make a deep cut the first single. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, doesn't matter because like when the songs come out, the songs come out. It's do you feel like, like you know? It's like that. I feel maybe because you've got nothing to prove anymore, right? Like you are Brockhampton. Brock no, we still have. People. We definitely still have things to prove to ourselves. What do you? What do you want to? What do you still have left to prove? Well, see, that's a that is a question that you would have to like ask every individual member of the group. But I can answer it for myself. Sure, for yourself. For me, what I have to prove is like, there's days where I wake up and I don't feel like competing at all. Yeah. Then there's days where I wake up and I want to be the best rapper alive. You know, and on those days where I wake up feeling that way are the days where, like, going to the studio is the most fun. Because yeah. I can 
live in that. You know what I'm saying? Live in that world. And then days where that doesn't happen, like I live in like a totally different world. Where I'm just like, you know, trying to make things sound as cool as possible. I might just like, there's days where I'll just go through my computer just looking for random sounds to send to Jabari and Romil and be like, yo, throw that in the beat and see how it sounds. You know what I'm saying? Like, just like, because, you know? Yeah. But, um, I don't know. Like, do what do I have to prove? Um, I have a lot of things to prove to myself still. I have like, I start to prove to myself that this can be sustainable. That what? That this can be sustainable. Like this. That what, what's this? Your all career? Of, yeah. Music? All of this can be sustainable still. And sustainable you know? meaning in 30, 40 years that you're still I don't want to be, it? I don't want to have to be a touring rapper at 40. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I definitely don't want to have to ever tour any material without any of these guys because I have to make money, if that makes sense. Oh. I never want to do that. Without them? Never, 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 never. So never you never, I would never want, want to break do, up? I would never want to do any Brock Hampton music yeah. by myself. Like, by I wouldn't yourself. want to, I wouldn't have to, like, that yeah. really cringy yeah. shit yes. where, like, people, like, fucking do, like, one verse from their song. Yes. Nah, none of that. Right. Like, uh, uh, if I'm doing something that's my independent stuff, it's going to be my independent stuff, and Brock Hampton is Brock Hampton. I love the world that Brock Hampton is, and yeah. I, have, I don't want to take anything away from that. Yeah. You know, so, like... As long as, like I said, as long as this is sustainable in some way, shape, or form, where whether it's like, you know, I take what I get from this and go into a different realm of art and then yeah. find another form of sustainability in that realm of art or what, like, as long as I can find that and find some sort of consistency and, like, get, like, my nephew through, like, high school and college and shit like that, like, that's what, like, really, like, matters to me, you know? You have come to this place, this understanding, which is very true, that the more and the better you take care of the people around you, it actually comes back to serve you. And that is not something that we hear about enough and mm-hmm. it's not something that we see illustrated enough out there. Yeah. But I feel like Brock Hampton is this great example and this physical manifestation of that because there's, when you're watching you guys perform and there's so many, it's like, how does that work? There's so many of them. Like there's gotta be egos and I'm sure there are egos and there's gotta be like issues of money or whatever, but Somehow you guys make it work. You make incredible music. You're, you have this fan base that loves you. You all seem like you're having a great time doing it. When you're talking about your group, you love them, you know? And it's like, does this exist? And it's, <laughs> you know, like, and where else does this happen? You know, that everyone always says that about Ben and I. They're like, you guys are weird, weird business partners because you've been doing this every day for 15, 16 years. Every day looking at each other, arguing, working through stuff. Like, mm-hmm. this doesn't happen in business partnerships. Usually, by this point in time, they break up or they're on opposite sides of the fence and they just run the business without even looking at yeah. each other. But we sit down, we eat lunch, and we share and we talk and we cry over stuff. And, um, and the more I put him first and the more I put my staff first and the more I put our collaborators first and people in the community, the bigger it becomes, the be- bigger it becomes, the, the happier I am, the more yeah. proud I am of the work. Yeah. And when right? I say like the bigger it becomes, I mean, like I'm talking about it just being bigger than us as individuals. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Like, it doesn't matter about how big something it gets as long as it's bigger than me. Yeah. You know, because like if it's all about me, then yeah. what is it really about? Out. Right, you That's know what, what I'm saying. I like, tell people if you just want to do your project for you, and you don't want to share it with anyone, and you don't want to help anyone else with it, and you don't want to enlighten anyone else's life, like just do it in your garage. It's your project. Like you can have those; they're called hobbies. Yeah, right. Just do it for Absolutely, fun. Absolutely, yeah. But if it's meant to be greater than you, if mm-hmm. it's meant to enter the world, and it's supposed to connect people and connect you with people and connect those people together, then 
you're going to have to give up. You're going to have to share it. You're going to have to instruct people how to use the tools. Like okay, so I have a question for you now. Yes, all right. So I buttered you up. So in now regards, in regards of specifically what we were just talking about, what's the what's the sacrifice that you've made that you're the most grateful for mm. as a business partner and outside of business? Deciding to commit to Ben, deciding to commit to my wife, committing to my children. Like these were huge sacrifices. For me, they were huge sacrifices because I'm the most selfish, narcissistic person in the world. So they're huge. Like the, the, the greatest thing you can ask of a narcissist is like, you're going to have to now think of someone else mm-hmm. for a large majority of your life. Mm-hmm. It's just like, dude, I don't know if I can do that. You know? And I, and I, the more I've done it, the more it's helped to bring me peace. It doesn't bring me more glory. It doesn't always make me the most money. You know, like it doesn't bring me more power or more notoriety in any way, but in terms of peace and happiness, when people are like, dude, how are you getting by? Like, how are you okay with everything that's going on? I'm like, dude, I have the best people around me. I feel that dude. Like, like you said earlier, like it's really, I just have the best support, the most understanding people. Like no matter how like annoyed or frustrated or upset I can get with anyone that's in my corner, mm-hmm. they're all in my fucking corner. Yeah, that's true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they're in your corner. Yeah. Like it's like yeah. holy shit. Like thank you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I I feel like I'm I, I feel like I say thank you too much sometimes. Yeah. And it's like I'm not trying to say that to like gloat about or anything like that. Like I think I annoy people with it yeah. because like I'm constantly like. I appreciate you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying that to say that, like I actually do. You know what I mean? Like whether yeah. it's in that individual moment, because like you got me a glass of water when I was like coughing in the middle of the night or like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, or like you, you disagree you. or like you disagree with something that I'm doing as an artist, but you let me do it anyway, yeah. because you respect my artistry. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Like, totally. There's so many moments where stuff like that will happen in a group where it's like, you know, someone might not get something, yeah. but that doesn't matter because you put it there and whatever you put it there for, if it's not self-serving, if it's supposed to serve someone else, yeah. it'll reach them. We believe in that. And everyone like has that like, you know, common denominator of thought. So it's like, you know, we can all like make those decisions and stuff. So it's like, I, I feel you in the sense of like, you know, your your corner is everything, you know? Yeah. That was a nice way to end. <laughs> Thanks. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. Of course. Thank you. This is yeah. awesome. Yeah. That was, was super cool. That's it for this episode. I'm your host, Bobby Hundreds. Our show was produced by Andrew London and edited by Rachel Kastner and Ivana Tucker. Music by Alexander Spitt. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.